Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 286, New York Comic Con edition. What? I'm your host, Chris, alongside my co-host here, Mike. Happening, hey Mike? there. Hey, hey, folks. Hey, Chris. Um, got some ads this week or in the next coming week, so looking forward to that. Next coming weeks. No ads this week. Coming up, so we're becoming legit. So the more people that like us, uh, the more we try to take your money. So watch out for those ads, folks. Well, we won't take your money. People give us money to try to take your money, and uh, we have nothing to do with it. We're just we're just the messengers. <laughs> but I mean, I will also take your money, Patreon. Yeah, I would also take your comments. money as well. Yeah. Um, and someone else who would gladly take your money is on the show today. We're interviewing uh, Mr. Chris Soloff uh, from Homebrew Comics. He's uh, We're going to talk about some comic books. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to a lot of things. I mean, it's New York Comic Con this weekend. Uh, as we're recording, wish I was there. I heard some rumors about Black Adam. About an after credit scene, I might talk about that a little bit. If you want to talk about that, I kind of want to talk about that. I didn't see that one, so I'll be interested to see. Yeah, I, I I'll say I want, wish. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was there too. Um, like former guests of the show were asking me if I was going to be there, asking you know if we were going to be there and all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, like just the way the world worked out this year, it didn't work out. Maybe next year, I'm really going to push next year to try to get to more cons. Yeah, I mean, if we go to New York Comic Con next year, I'd want I. I feel like if we go to New York Comic Con next year, that's the only con I can go to, just because how exhausting it is of a con. Yeah, it's I've huge. Got, it's so big. I've got that, and I would like to go back to Terrificon. That was a blast. I think yeah, you would have would a good def- time there too. Yeah, I would definitely go to Terrificon. You know, set some dinners up with some folks. You know, drink a couple beers with some comic folks. Oh, Mike, we would if we. We'll plan it out, but we would be getting a hotel in the casino. We'd be yep. living the high life. Probably find our, our wayward our wayward Raven boys. Hit those guys up. Night on the town. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk to them about it. I'll tell you, me and uh, um, Kevin, there, a uh, tough stuff yeah. creator, had a good time. Good. Uh, hanging out, eating sushi or the seafood. Um, yep. Having cigars, you know, being fat cats in the nice. comics industry. Nice. You're pretty much uh, you're being kingpin for the night. Yeah, it was a good time nice. until I got COVID. <laughs> yeah, until you got COVID. Well, it happens. Uh, and you know, a uh, little round of applause for Chris. He's been losing a lot of weight here, and I want to commend him for that. So good job, dude. Keep Thank up you, with sir. it. Not an easy feat by all means. So. Uh, so damn you're killing it and i'm proud of you and that's it okay this is all this is emotional i'll get when i'm not smoking weed so um, (laughs) i appreciate it i really do that's all you get out of me uh but no when i when i smoke weed though i uh i cry like a baby at everything so be glad i just sleep (laughs) so it's really no Uh, different from my normal state there's been a lot of movies where i just start bawling when i'm watching them and (laughs) Like no reason at all. Like not even sad moments. Could be happy moments. Um, but whatever. Uh, so let's let's just jump into it. We got some stuff to to comb through here. 
uh, some cool stuff come from DC. But, uh, you know, TV, TV news, uh, I, I saw a lot of costumes uh, for Titans and Doom Patrol and stuff. There is a Doom Patrol Season 4 trailer. have not watched it yet. Uh, have you watched that? Oh, yes, I did. Uh, what do you think? Mike, um, the next show I'm going to catch up on is Doom Patrol because okay. in Season 4, yep. they're doing it. They're doing it's it? happening. Wait, what do you mean? When you watch this trailer, fucking cod pieces in it. No, he's not. Live action cod piece is in this trailer. Oh my god. There's a moment where a man shoots some sort of laser beam from his crotch. And if that is not cod piece, I don't know who it is, but it's gotta be. We need to be credited for this because we have not stopped stopped talking about cod piece. I think we need to like email the writers of of Doom Patrol. I listen. You you saw the Harley Quinn reveal as well, right? Yeah, that cod piece is in that as well. How many years have we been talking about this character? Yeah, I mean, we got Rachel Pollock on the show. We it, this has been at the forefront of the show forever, and it's happening. Wow. I know, I know, it's happening. So I, I am going to finally sit down and watch the show. It's been one of those shows I want to watch, but yeah, just with so much shit going on, I never get to it. It will now it's now firmly on the docket of need to watch. So as soon as Andor ends, um and I have more free time, it's what I'm jumping into next. Yeah, I, I watched the first season, loved it. I I'm gonna watch two through four for sure. When four comes out, I need to catch up uh for the cod piece alone. And, uh, yeah, I remember when we had, uh, Colin, uh, uh, Colin and, uh, man, I can't think of his Jackson Lanzig and Colin Jackson, Kelly, Jackson and Colin on the show. They said their buddy plays Harry trainer on the show and that they were going to go talk to him about Codpiece. That was after their interview a long time ago. So we need to find out from those guys if they ever got the message through. Yeah. I need confirmation. I will get confirmation. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just telling those guys that we need to talk again because there's more cap news that we're going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. Uh, Star Wars and or episode five. I'm I'm not watching any of this. I'm going to wait till the end and it's going to be the longest single Star Wars movie I'm going to watch in one sitting. Yeah, it's still good. Uh, it's it's very espionage focused. Uh, I mm-hmm. really like the the Empire stuff. It's it's a really hard show to talk about without spoiling really completely. Because mm-hmm. so much happens, even though it's not very action focused. But I love the character building here. I love what's going on. Uh, it's a very slow show, but I enjoy it immensely. It's like nothing else in Star Wars. So yeah, it's yeah, I really like it. Awesome, uh, <laughs> Daredevil episode eight or She Hulk maybe? Uh, <laughs> is this the finale? No, there's one more episode. <laughs> oh God. Um. So essentially the daredevil parts of this. So everybody knows I'm not really a big fan of She-Hulk and what the show has been doing, but the daredevil parts of this episode were really great. I like Matt Murdock in it. I like the costume. Um, They do, they tease you because there's a moment where they go and they're trying to save somebody and they are going to do a hallway fight. So daredevil goes in, he beats up a few guys and then like more come in and he poses Uh And it sets up just like the Netflix Daredevil scene, oh, nice. uh, hallway scene, and then like She Hulk just like falls in, takes them all out, and it ruins the whole thing. 
Uh, yeah, that's funny though that they did that. It's it was cute that they did it. Uh, yeah. And then there's a, a great uh, scene in court between Matt Murdock and uh, She Hulk. Um, and then, like at the end of the episode, they set up the big bad for the finale. Um, mm. Overall, good episode because I really like the Daredevil stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll watch the finale. I've gotten this far. Might as well watch. The yeah, finale. you've gotten this far. You might as well finish it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, and the for- big, the big, like the the villain of this episode, the character uh-huh. that they're following is Leapfrog, which was also pretty fantastic because they did oh, a okay. comic accurate Leapfrog costume. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I forgot this came out. Werewolf by Night special. Um, if you want to talk about this, you haven't watched it yet. No, I haven't. I've been watching another show. I'm going to talk about in a second. You're going to love it. It's so it is all in black and white. Um, it's very much an homage to classic like Universal monster horror movies. Um, down to like kind of purposely cheesy special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the uh, Elsa Bloodstone's father dies. Um, they got to find a new monster hunter to lead, like the monster hunters. Um, so they hold a contest, and Jack joins the contest under an assumed name um, to save the monster in question. I won't spoil who that monster is um, because it's really cool who the monster is. And then gets caught and found out that he's the werewolf by night, and blah, blah, blah. But it's very quick. It's like 45 minutes, basically an episode of a, of a TV show, mm-hmm. but done almost as like a made for TV movie. Um, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It's not like it sets up a lot of really cool characters. It sets up a lot of um, the, the like horror monster part of the MCU of the Marvel universe. Cause it shows like it shows vampires and, the Wendigo and all these other things through different parts of the show. So cool. Uh, good. I think you'll really enjoy it for like the classic horror stuff. And uh, yeah, I recommend it. Uh, <laughs> I decided to sit down and watch uh, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. So that was my movie. <laughs> that was a much wiser choice. Yeah. It's on HBO. Anybody, if anybody cares besides me. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's all on like HBO max, isn't it? And it, yeah, well, it's weird. They like swap out which ones they have, which ones they don't. Um, I don't remember Mechagodzilla being on there. The crazy thing about Mechagodzilla is it deals a lot more with the aliens that bring Mechagodzilla to Earth. And like at the end, they get revealed like some awful Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode, where their faces almost look like they're wearing like gorilla costumes. And there's some horror aspect to it. It's like, wow, it's pretty freakish and like creepy. So um, very fitting to watch in October. So, yeah, isn't it uh, Godzilla yeah. two where it's like the Americans bring them back from the future? Yeah, of yeah. 1993. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It gets that was weird, my man. favorite version. Um, yeah, and there's always some like lady singing like in this one, and then she brings out like this caveman uh, monster who fights with Godzilla. But there's a lot of freaking blood in this. Uh, and this compared to like. The guy in the rubber suit playing Godzilla, like he gets like hit in the neck and blood starts like splurting out of like like a hose spraying out of Godzilla's neck. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, and this movie's rated G (laughs) or PG or something. I'm like, no way. Uh, I also watched last week, uh, as I do every year in October, uh, Army of Darkness, because you all know I'm an Evil Dead fan. So, um, but something more relevant that I've watched on Netflix TV show 
big horror fan, uh, big Mike Flanagan fan. Uh, if anybody's out there watching those shows, uh, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, and now we have Midnight Club. Uh, this is a great... So, you know, there's always horror aspects of Mike Flanagan's stuff. Uh, he writes these books, and then there's shows on Netflix. He does such a great job of writing characters. And the premise for this one is it's a group of teens and they're in basically a hospice care. They're dying of some disease. They go to a hospice care and they pretty much don't give a shit. So they, it's in, it takes place in the nineties, Chris, super nostalgic. So it's like the music is nostalgic. You don't have the, like the stupid shit with the cell phones. Like that's all gone, which I, I like, you know, yeah. um, but they tell each other scary stories and it literally reminds me of, are you afraid of the dark on Nickelodeon? I think it was Nickelodeon where everybody's sitting around the campfire and telling mm -hmm. scary stories. So it's a horror anthology. So these teens that are dying that almost aren't afraid of anything because, you know, they're staring face, staring death in the face are telling each other scary stories, to try to creep each other out while creepy things are also happening in the, in the, the house that they're staying in. Uh, I think it's really good. I'm four episodes in the writing's fantastic. The character development's really good. Um, I think you would enjoy this one. And the first episode, I, I will tell everybody this, it's there's a lot of jump scares in it. And it's because it's not because the show is all jump scares. It's because Mike Flanagan is making fun of the fact that people like horror writers are very cheesy. And like, he thinks it's like a really cheap thing to just put jump scares and everything. So like <laughs> one of the, one of the, in the first episode, like one of the girls is telling a jump scare story to you know the people in this in the house and like at one point because they do the reenactment obviously so they're like they cut to a different story that they're telling and like first like the jump scare happens to the kid and then he keeps like turning every direction and it's like jump scare jump scare jumps and then it just becomes like comical you start like laughing <laughs> at some point and then like really there's no more jump scare after that like he does he does a lot of good things where like he'll he'll have something like behind somebody in a hallway but it's never like loud noise in your face. He does a really good thing of having like a creepy visual whole pan to it a couple times, but it doesn't like, it's not like in your face, like, like loud noises. Um, yeah. He does some really cool things with the horror aspect and it's, it's really good stuff. So midnight club, check it out. I'll say I started watching the other day that, uh, that Dahmer show on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I've only gotten a couple episodes in, but like, dude, that show is purposely like the scenes are purposely drawn out to mm -hmm. be awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's almost like each episode is like only a handful of scenes, mm -hmm. but just the way they're shot and done, they're meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll talk. I'll talk about that a little bit. I I know the show's out, and I really, yeah, Evan Peters, amazing actor. Uh -huh. I probably won't watch that show just because there's like I, I like the okay. You might get me to watch documentaries about serial killers, but there's just something about like, um, I might get a lot of shit for this. No, I wouldn't say like romanticizing a serial killer, but like putting them in the limelight and like these shows, you know what I mean, and making it like. And getting into the, like the details and showing like him doing all the shit to people, I don't, I don't personally care for that. And I kind of had the same problem with that show. You, I kind of, I, I watched first couple seasons, and they're like, you know, this guy's a 
serial killer and you're not supposed to root for him to the point where the main actor is telling his fans, no, like you shouldn't be rooting for me. But I mean, it's like you put this really good looking guy in a primary role. Like, of course people are going to like, Oh, sympathize with him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't get myself to watch it. It's, I think it's a little too creepy for me. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand how you or anyone else would feel that way. Um, yeah. I'll say this: it, it doesn't. It's not like you sit there and watch him like start to dismember people, right? But like, so there's some backstory of like when he was a kid and some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's like conversation. Like, there's a scene with his father where they're explaining like everything he did to his father. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the first episode starts off with the last person he tried to abduct, and when he gets arrested, okay, and then it tells it through the investigation and kind of him telling backstories, and it usually gets to the point where he's where like it's about to happen, yep, or like in one of them he almost gets caught because basically the cops come. Yeah. And then they look around his house and he's got like one of the bodies under his bed. Oh my God. And like it tells those moments a lot. And then it kind of explains like, yeah, you at one point you see he opens his fridge and there's a head down there. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So it's really messed up. It's really uncomfortable. I personally, like for some reason, I'm just, I get attracted to that. Oh yeah. Um, it's super popular too. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. bad or anything, but yeah. Um, I understand how people feel the way you do though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also for, it's been what 40 years yeah so yeah yeah but it has been a while yeah. i i'll say if if people like that kind of stuff i enjoyed what i've watched so far and i'll, I'll talk more about it later yeah, like, when I'm finished, maybe if but... it was just like the killing people like yeah but then the eating thing just I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know. dude the awkward I... parts like he goes to a bar and like goes and picks up a dude and yeah. uh I, like I was, everybody knows Dahmer was was gay, so he yeah. was picking up men, and then those were his victims, and like brings them to the house, and then tries to drug them, and then they're like sitting there, and, like it's just it, it doesn't matter sexual orientation. It's just the whole thing of like two people together, and like one guy just thinks he's gonna have a good time, yeah, you know, and then like it just turns into the it's, and there's no cuts. They're straight like scenes played out it's really really fucking uncomfortable yeah that's why it's kind of hard to binge it's kind of surprising it's a netflix show of all things yeah it's like a slow burn yeah because i can only watch one episode at a time before i'm like okay like i need seinfeld now so i can like have a palate (laughs) cleanser (laughs) yeah i uh so i haven't watched friday's episode of lord of the rings uh um or rings of power but i will say the uh prior week's episode was fucking phenomenal there's a lot of fighting uh, there's a lot of mention of Sauron, uh, and you know it's a big battle with like townspeople and orcs and elves fighting. It was awesome. It was really cool. Um, some really cool stuff was happening. So I'm really loving that show. Uh, Hot D, uh, House of the Dragon, really good new episode tonight because it is Sunday when we record. This show is just taken off completely. It's insane. Really depressing. There's some really depressing shit happening with characters. I don't want to spoil it too much for people. Um, you just got to go watch it. The characters are amazing. Uh, the, both these shows are really good. I'm a huge fantasy nerd, so I'm loving that. Uh, I heard there was a huge drop off because of the time jump. Oh, really? That's like in viewership. Yeah. Like people were yeah. really pissed off about that, apparently, which that had to happen, though, because like, yeah, I will say this, though, it for someone like me who like, I, obviously I have um, 
my partner there to explain <laughs> like everything that's going on with the whole uh the whole map of the family tree of everybody but if i didn't have her there like i personally wouldn't know what the hell is going on because like every episode they're like they're just casually like oh yeah a few years has gone by a couple years has gone by and then this episode was a big or last episode was a big time jump where they changed some of the I think they might have changed only one. Yeah, they only changed the youngest actor or actress or her and her friend, who's the queen. They changed them, but a lot of the people that are older, they didn't change the uh, actual actors that play them. So, Mm -hmm. like, that was a little confusing. And then I got confused because there's, like, two knights that look the same with long hair. And I thought one was older, one was younger. But then they brought the younger guy back. So I was like... I was a little confused about that shit. I can see where it gets a little confusing. I yeah. I thought, as someone who didn't like the original series, I, I thought it was a little confusing that people were so upset about it because I'm like, you know what the storytelling is here. Like, right. It took us how many seasons to figure out that um, Jon Snow was the main character? Yeah. Because they kept tricking you with, like, this is the main character and then killing them. Right. And I'm yeah. like, you watched so many seasons of the original, you didn't understand that this is what they're the game that they but, play with this show. But I will say, uh, there was a couple great things the last episode. A lot of fucking dragon riding, which was sick. Uh, the one of the biggest dragons, like this thing was massive. We finally got to see like the whole size of him and like wh- one of the kids riding them. And then we because all the all the the royalty's children are older, they're all like fourteen through like sixteen they like are getting in fights with each other because they hate each other. So like, there's a whole like scene where they're like one pulls a knife on the other one. They start fighting. It's really fucked up. Uh, so the show is crazy. I'm really enjoying it. So like the time jump stuff. Yeah, you can get over it. Like just don't be a ninny about it. A long story short, uh, a ninny at your time or be. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it. I will say this. I did see, uh, Craig Robinson this weekend. Who's uh? If you know Craig Robinson, he's Daryl from uh The Office. Yeah, yeah. runs the shipping. So I went and saw him. He's at Funny Bone this weekend near us, and he he pretty much just sits there with a piano and plays plays music and has people sing along and tells like dirty jokes. It was pretty great. Um, and I guess he has a show on Peacock. It's going on its second season, so I might have to check it. that out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but other than that, let's uh hop to this interview with uh, Chris Soloff, and we'll see everybody on the other side. All right, everybody, we got another very special guest for you all. I want everyone to welcome to the show, Christopher Michael. What's going on, Chris? Not much. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, That's the one last name Chris won't mess up because it's both of our names, so it worked (laughs) out pretty perfectly. (laughs) If you messed up my name, I'd be a little pissed, Chris. (laughs) Uh, yeah, dude, thanks for being here. Can't wait to talk to you because, you know, Chris and I both love D&D and comics, so, uh, this seemed to be right up our alley. Uh, and, you know, it's your first time here, so we have to put you through the gauntlet of your origin <laughs> story of comics and what got you into them. So let's start there. How did it, how did it start for you? Uh, well, I, I've been into comic books since I was a little kid. I grew up on them. Um, somewhere in my wall back there is my first comic, um, New Mutants, one of the early, early ones. Um, I got into the, I just love comic books. Uh, like, like most little kids, you know, pick them up off the rack, got, got into them. Uh, as a kid, 
My fourth birthday cake was a Batman cake. My first Halloween costume that I got to choose was Batman. Um, you know, he was always a cool character. As I got older, I got into Wolverine and X-Men there when um, Jim Lee was doing it. And then just fell in love with Spawn and Young Blood, Wetworks, like a lot of the image stuff. Um, you know, as a kid, the the violence, the the women and yep. just the, the pouches and weapons were freaking cool. Yeah. So, giant, giant guns, tons of pockets and pouches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, those comics were made for those, those kids, you know, like, yeah, oh, they yeah. were a bunch of adults making comics for kids. Cause they were kids at heart. You know, it was, yep. it was great. Yep. Um, and I, I followed comics right through the nineties. Uh, I graduated early 2000, like 2001. And the year I graduated, I started playing music and, was on the road until 2009 and so uh for those years i really didn't do much i didn't even get to play video games that much <laughs> oh my God. That's so awesome. um, i kind of got out of comics and then right around 2012 2015 i started getting back in um it was right i, I started picking up like graphic novels because they had the you know trade paperback full of tons of issues to get back on and i got lost like I didn't know where X-Men was like that whole se season. Like everything just changed. It wasn't anything that I remembered. And then, so I kind of didn't really get back into, it. I started reading spawn again because that series stayed pretty consistent. But, um, in 2020, well, 2019, my friends and I, we, uh, we hadn't played D and D in about 10 years. And I, I called them and I was like, Hey, um, I've got this idea for a superhero D and D campaign. Um, I had actually been playing Spider-Man on PS4 and, okay. and I, nice. as I was playing, I got this idea of how to make D and D superheroes that weren't broken and overpowered. Right. Even they're still okay. broken and overpowered, but not as broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that's bit. just like one of the big problems with superheroes in general. You make a superhero and this is, I'm seeing this just in every new hero that comes out. Everybody wants the hero to be so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those care, and this is one of the reasons we never really played superhero D&D, was because your omnipotent hero has no challenge. The only challenge you have is a stronger enemy. So we always wanted to have this campaign where the heroes were unique, but they weren't so super that it took away from the other things in, you know, as part of D and D, like they, they couldn't just go into combat and be like, I win, you know? Right. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so the, the, oddly enough, Spider-Man gave me that idea because at the core level, everybody could have a different Spider-Man customized in their own different way. So I took the classes in D and D and I called my friends and I said, Hey, if you had to be a character, how would you build your hero? And they gave me a bunch of references and ideas. And I'm, I, I really wasn't even into manga or anime at the time. I had to watch My Hero Academia, uh, yeah, Shield yeah. Hero. I had to watch all these things yeah, um, yeah. to get like reference for what they wanted. Because they didn't actually read comic Most of my, my guys don't really read comic books. They're into manga and anime. Mm -hmm. And so I just went to, I went to the books and I started like taking all the characters and building them out. We played the first session in 2019 and we talked about it for a whole month as, you know, 30 some odd year old guys. We spent an entire month talking about this game that we hadn't played in 10 years. And some of us hadn't even talked in 10 years. 
So yeah. the fact that we got together and all of a sudden D and D was like our central thing, keeping us together. Um, I was bored. I had a tablet with a pen on it and I was like, Hey, I'm just going to draw. So I started drawing some of it out. And then this bug hit me that I wanted to turn the thing into a comic book. So I started drawing it and it just kind of, it was a snowball effect. I, I, I drew one issue and I've got to preface this that I have zero like comic book art background. I never mm -hmm. really even did much art to begin with. I can draw, I could draw, but I didn't like pursue it. And my wife is phenomenal. So I spent three months working on this thing and I give it to her on my tablet. And mind you, like I'm staying up till two and three in the morning working on this, you know? Yeah. And she looks at it and she goes, she 17 pages. And again, my, uh, my wife's phenomenal. She's absolutely amazing artist. And I should also preface, I chased this one for 11 years and we had only been married for like three or four years at this point. And so, you know, <laughs> when I hand her something that I'm really proud of and I'm excited yeah. about, and then I get back, it's okay. And she literally hands it to me <laughs> and like, doesn't even say anything. Just, just hands it to me. And yeah. I was like crushed. Yeah. Um, it crushes your dreams. Yeah. So the next day, you know, she just went back to watching TV. She just handed me the tablet and went back to watching TV. And I was like, well, damn, you know, that sucks. Yeah. And yeah. next day I said, well, I can either give it up. You know, this idea that I had of making a comic book is, is gone or I can work harder. So I went out, I bought a, an iPad and I got the iPad Pro with the Procreate and I did all this like research on what people were using. <laughs> and I came home and I started drawing again. And I went to her and I said, hey, what do you think? And her words to me were like, oh, you're actually going to do this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I really, I really want to. Yeah. And so she, she's like, well, if you want to do it, let me help you. Because she's a great artist. She's a photographer by trade. So she knows angles and she knows anatomy mm -hmm. very well. Yep. And so she just uh, she destroyed my work for about uh, three years. She would go in on every book, every page, every book. She would edit it and she'd circle things. She'd erase things. She'd draw over top of things. And... I had to give up an ego real quick and say, well, if I want to get better, I should learn from someone who knows what they're doing. And I downloaded all these different classes, YouTube stuff, like just taught myself how to do art. And I released the first book, July of 2020. I put it on Kickstarter to begin with. Um, I didn't know anything about Kickstarter, just like most things that I dive headfirst into. I just don't even know anything about them. Yeah. And I only really needed about 400, 500 bucks. But everything, I, all the research I did said ask for like 1500 because you have all these other expenses and things. And it didn't fund. I made like 700 something dollars and I didn't even know how to promote. I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have Facebook, nothing. I just yep. put it up there. Mm -hmm. And I had like 35 backers. And so uh, it failed. And I was pretty bummed. And I went to a friend online. We were talking. He's like, you're doing comic books now. He's like, I remember you did music and now you're doing comics. What's up with this? Yeah. And he was like, well, I don't know if you know this, but I got into uh, pop fields when they first started kicking off. He's like, I have a private jet that I'm sitting on talking to you. So how much do you need? And he shot me 500 <laughs> bucks on Facebook. That's he was amazing. Like, yeah. He goes, everything you do, you put your, your heart into. So I know it's going to be something. He goes, I don't even read comics, but you know, do something with this. Yeah. And so 
I printed the books, I paid the colorist, and um, I contacted everybody that backed the book on Kickstarter. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to send you a free book because you believed in it before I even knew what I was doing with this. And now someone else has funded this. I want to at least give back to you the, like, the effort. And most of those people came back for book two and three and four. And I have some of them that have been on since day one. And now we're releasing our seventh issue. And, um, you know, every book got better and better artistically. My wife on book four, she was like, I don't need to help you anymore. And that was probably the most like cool experience ever. Cause you know, this woman's been my wife for 17 years and for her to say, yeah, I really don't need to edit anything. She'll, she'll make some comments here and there. Like maybe you should do this or do that, but not erasing pages and literally like, like soul crushing moments where I put yeah, all this feels piece. Enough. and she doesn't use procreate. She's a Photoshop person. So she's, she would sometimes just like do things her way and it would totally mess up everything. And I'd have to spend two oh, no. oh, but it would no. come out better. And so yeah. I appreciate everything she ever did for me, but that's, wow. that's the journey. And you know, you know, we're in the, the seventh book. Um, we've done every Kickstarter except for the first one has been very successful. Uh, repeat, you know, readers back and forth. I've got a lot of adults that tell me they can't even read their books because their kids take them, which is which is really cool. Um, you know, we have a talking cat in the book, and all the kids love the talking cat. So hey, you know, as a dad, that's freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. In fact, uh, I did my reunion show last night, and a guy walked up to me. He's like, "Hey, I bought your book, and uh, you know, I released a trade paperback. It's two hundred and twenty-five pages." And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get caught up, but my kids read it three times. And he told me, if you ever kill off that cat, he can't read it anymore. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, it was uh, cool. Now that you're talking about that, I want, I want to talk about crit because, uh, it, the one thing that I, I really enjoy is the, the different characters, um, that you have. So he talk, did you develop those characters with all your friends from the campaign? And that's kind of how, it got made into the story or were these characters kind of just your idea? Uh, no. So I approached them and because a lot of them hadn't played D and D in a long time, I didn't want to overcomplicate the idea of role playing. Yeah. And it, the easiest person to role plays yourself. So right. I said, Hey, these characters are you, but you in this position. So that way they mm-hmm. could react naturally and mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to, do a lot of character development because I just yep. wanted to enjoy the game. Right. And so cool. they are based off of real people. They had a lot of input on the character design itself. They had a lot of input on the character's abilities, what they wanted to be based off of. Um, I just did the creation portion of it, the balancing of it and the storytelling. And I, get, I am every character except for the five main guys. Wow, that's that's super cool. And and is there some sort of like uh, probability for the story? I mean, like you talk about rolling dice and telling a story. So is there any type of like back and forth there, or is it just you writing a script? Oh no, everything. I record every game session, and then I storyboard everything that happens. And I don't I don't predict anything. Um, everything you awesome. read happens mm-hmm. at the you know mercy of the dice rolls. Wow, that's awesome. And that's it's so tough. interesting. If you played D anD D combat, yeah. it, I have to like streamline the combat in the book because right, 
if you play D anD D, you know most of the time, yeah, everybody has their preferred moves, and it's yeah, like, right. punch this person and punch this yeah. person again, and so yeah. I streamline it so you get the you get the flow of the combat without having to have thirty rounds of the same punch over and over again, right? Um, yeah, outcome is the same if they miss or if you know somebody blasts somebody else by accident because they rolled in that one. Like you get to experience that kind of stuff. That's um, nice. I. I've thought about that as like a fantasy story to like do it like D and D campaign, but I feel like it'd be funny once because like, yeah, they punch over and over again. And then like you punch, Oh, the guy missed you punch, you missed again. And like the, <laughs> yeah. And then like the funny part would be when he crit misses and like stabs himself in the foot. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. after one issue, I think people get bored of that. So it might be funny for like a short story, but yeah, you have to, every, everything has its place. And I don't try to repeat. So if something happens the same way, like I try to change the flow of things or give different perspectives on it. So you have the, the personality shine, the, the ones with the, that are pigheaded and arrogant in combat are over here. And it's easy to tell how they're going to flow. Um, but they write their own dialogue. They write when, when it comes down to the, the lettering of the book, um, we do a discord. And I, I, since I have the sessions recorded, I know what they've said. And I already have it kind of in a rough script, like this is the dialogue from the game. Yep. But they can kind of edit it or make it a little bit smoother in places because, again, we're role-playing. Sometimes some of us are working while we're playing like on our phones because mm-hmm. we've got remote jobs and things, and there's distractions no matter what. So we try to, like, I try to give them the opportunity to make the best of their role-play before it goes to print. So everything you read comes from their mouth. I don't write any of it. Um, it's it's the most organic I can I can think of for storytelling yeah. purposes. That's so cool, and you have endless stories as long as you're campaigning still. So yeah, we're going yeah. on four years. So wow. I've, got, I've wow. got a lot of stuff to play. Uh, as, as someone who just rolled up characters uh, the last couple of days, because my friends that I played D anD D with like eight years ago are we're starting to campaign again this is like so awesome to hear um and Samedi is the the talking cat right yes so what's here actually i made a stuffed animal of him a few years ago yeah i heard there's i heard there's a plush available on the website (laughs) that is amazing yeah is that one of the characters he's a familiar Um, familiar okay we have so specter austin in real life is a huge pokemon fan um, he has Pokemon tattoos. He's actually at New York Comic Con right now. Like he's probably the biggest nerd in our group. And you know, knowing that he loved Pokemon, when he took a Warlock class, you know, we were trying to balance this um, familiar slash like deity kind of thing we wanted to do. But he always wanted some kind of necromancy stuff, and so I gave him Samedi. It's a different spelling of the god because I didn't want to like confuse people that it's the actual god because it's not right Um, right he just bases himself off of that kind of personality he has a drinking problem he smokes cigars and he's a jerk he so when i was making the personality of him i was like if you take the mad hatter you take the uh the cheshire cat and cat in the hat and mash them all together you get samedi amazing and what's even more funny is the reason I chose the cat was Austin's also a DM and he, he, in the earlier sessions, he would try to meta things. 
And I, he's like, oh, so now I have this all-powerful like deity. I said, no, you're allergic to him because he's an actual cat. And in real life, you're allergic to cats. So if he's out for more than four hours in game time, you take the penalties. Wow. Um, like every, every hour is another level of exhaustion for you. Oh and so um, it limited him there. And actually, in the last book I just introduced, he has two more. Since he's a Pokemon fan, we kind of customize his character to where the familiars give him access to different spell casting abilities. So he has like base warlock, like um, uh, Eldritch Blast, right? Yep. And you yep. can level that up. And base can, spells. We added some flavor to it. But Samedi lets him have access to a more of a warlock style class. Uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of necromancer in there for healing purposes. No race of dead because I didn't really want to mess with that. Um, we introduced the owl, uh, Archimedes, who's this like British pompous like prick of a character. <laughs> and um, he has more wizard spells. So he opens up a wizard class for him when he's out. And then we have Pan, who is like the... He, if, he had, if you could hear him in your head, he would sound like the turtle from um, uh, Finding Nemo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's like real chill, but he he adds yep. like some bardic powers, so okay. he can flow differently, and he can call which one he feels is best for the situation. Um, early on in his power set, he doesn't know how to control that, so he has to roll a dice to see which one comes out. Um, That's awesome. But later on, he gets to choose, and then he can have two out at the same time. So it's really cool to see him like have all those different flavors of powers. So, so Samedi is a character, but he's not uh, like one of my friends. He's actually right. the art besides the patterns is based off my cat, which does kind of have that like skull pattern on its face, which That's is amazing. amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. I got to jump in here because you can't have a cat not be a prick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. That's true. Yeah. Mine's right over there. <laughs> um, so as Mike was saying, I'm part of that group that we're, we just rolled new characters. So I pulled out my uh, role playing uh, folder the other day. And was looking through it, and it's got my old character from an old campaign I did, where I also tried to do a Pokemon-style character. <laughs> I went Druid with this, because I was going to try to control animal, and I had like a an animal that went around my pouch with me and everything. But yeah, so it's funny you say that, because I actually tried that at one point in a campaign, and it worked for a while. It was really fun. That's awesome. So yeah, That's um, one thing I love about yeah. D&D is you can really make anything you want. They have like mm-hmm. the rules out there, but really you can customize that and do whatever you want with it and make your own setting, your own game. It's so much fun. Oh yeah. There yeah. is actually a uh th- there's a bunch of like different modules you can add to it like what you said what you're doing with yours for different styles. And I've seen like a full-on Pokemon one. I've seen a bunch of different ones. It's it's one of the beauty beautiful things about the game. Like mm-hmm. if anyone doesn't play it it's an amazing game. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, and the, it can be intimidating yeah. to people because of the math. I've heard so many different like things of why people are afraid to get into it. And if you have the right DM in the right group, it's always fun because, you know, and, and I play with a different, a bunch of different DMs. Actually, I made a DM once, not only quit playing D and D with us, but he also, he worked for me and he quit his job the next day. Oh um, my god! <laughs> yeah, I was a player in his campaign. It was the first time Holy I ever played shit, D&D, dude. and I hated. I, actually, it was the worst experience I had ever had. Um, oh my god! It's not a PG story. Like he tried to, yeah. he 
he gave me the power of body. I was like He-Man mixed with Mr. Fantastic. And so he gave us each like these different um, like specializations. Like I had body, one guy had mind, this, you know, like we all had these different things. And I was like, so I can grow any appendage I want as long as I want. Like if I want my arm to be this big, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had a guy that had the power of mind. And I was like, he put this demonic, like giant thing in front of us. And I really got tired of playing. We didn't get to roll anything except D20 um, to decide if something happened. And we didn't roll Uh, it. He rolled for us. We didn't make our. Oh, that's the worst. Everything was 20. Like he he maxed out everybody. And it was. I've never played a session like that ever since then. And I've played with a bunch of different groups. And he in things would happen that didn't make sense. Like his wife played and she got to do whatever she wanted. But if I was like, Hey, I just want to open this door. He's like, rolls the dice. Nope. You didn't. I'm like, she, she literally wanted to do the most complicated thing. And you just said, yes. Yeah. 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 And so that's not fun. We tactically got the mind guy to go first. And I was like, I want you to daze it and make it like in this trance. So it has no idea what I'm doing. And so, the roll happens. It's like, yeah, yeah, that happens. He's entranced. You know, Chris can can distract him, fight him. And I was like, cool. I was like, well, I want to flank him. And he goes, okay. You know, hey, you can flank him. That's fine. I was like, so I can move over here. I can get right behind him. He goes, yeah. And I was like, cool. And I'm like, I'm like little, you know, I'm like, all right. So I want to grow to like the size of this thing. He's like, okay, cool. And uh, so I roll, he rolls and I'm like, so I want to, I want to like try to grapple it can i grapple it he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like roll he's like yeah, yeah yeah that's a good roll yeah you can grapple this thing he thinks i'm like trying to wrestle i said yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, now i want to and I don't, is this a pg show no no that's not oh, okay, there you cool. go. um <laughs> i was like so i want my dick to grow so big that it goes straight through him and he goes what and i'm like yeah so this is a new move we're gonna create it's called the mind fuck he entrances it and i fuck it <laughs> and he closed his book he packed his stuff up, looked at his wife, and he's like, uh, oh, angels descend from heaven and destroy all of you. I'm going home. Wow. And I was like, what? He wow. was so mad. He, him and his wife leave, and the next day he doesn't show up for work, and I call him, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to transfer down to Wilkesboro. I don't want to work here anymore. Oh, I was my. like, all over d and <laughs> I screwed up his campaign, uh, uh, and I made uh, him switch his job. Wow. You you mind-fucked him in real life, too. Holy I did. Shit. I did. Yeah. Wow. That and is... I never saw him again, actually. So I was a, I was a, I was a DM for that company. It was GameStop. And anytime I, I showed up, he would not be working. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is amazing. It that is so amazing. funny. Um, wow. So we actually made a character in the book based off of him. And yeah, like because of the character he would always play was called Sanguine. So I put him in the book, and he's one of the nemesis in the book. Oh my god, um, I'm gonna have to look for so that. So if he ever reads it, you know, whatever. But yeah, whatever. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> um, that is absolutely amazing. And that's what I love about D and D is you always have a story, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So many stories. Yeah. I, I'll never forget. Um, I was with a, a group and. The, the short version is the DM was trying to get us to see that like this giant arrow had been cut into the mountain to point us in a direction. Like he's literally just like, just go this way. <laughs> and one of the, and like we couldn't put it together. And one of the guys is like, what happens if I put my, the tip of my arrow to the tip of the mountain? And he just like snaps and goes, it's a fucking arrow. 
go that way. <laughs> it's pointing in a direction. It, I yeah, I think we sat there for maybe almost two hours, like trying to figure out the puzzle, and he got so upset with us. He's like, "You guys are probably the dumbest group." Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forgot you were in that group. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite good. memories. Just yeah. he got so mad. Yeah, you're. Uh, you're yeah, he didn't quit his job and yeah. leave us though. He kept no, going. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel bad, but I love telling that story because um, it's the worst session. I, I almost quit playing D and D, and that was the first time I ever played. Yeah. They had wow. actually begged me to play D and D, and I was like, I don't. I'm not that big of a nerd. Like, I really don't want to do it. And right, the, right. the how they got me in was they were like, Well, you like you know Star Wars, uh, you know um, the Kotor. They're like you like that, mm-hmm. you like all these Bioware games. They're like Bioware literally uses D and D rules to make their games. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So you know, similar situations. I understand it now. And yep. after that, I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to play anymore. And the guy whose caliber in my book is like that was our forever DM until I took over. And he homebrewed a Mass Effect campaign. It was like, hey, like you hate this stuff. So how about I make Mass Effect? So he goes home, he uses like 3.5 and future and makes Mass Effect. And I was like, cool, I can play this because I know the setting. I can relate to the characters and I can play this. And we played that for um, two years, every Sunday for two years. That's and then we all kind of moved and did other things. And that was yeah. the, my, my favorite. To this day, we still talk about that campaign. That's so, so awesome. That's yeah, awesome. And, and everybody I talk to that plays D&D, they're, all, they're always like, there's always that story, you know? Yeah, and with crit, yeah. we kept having these stories, which is why I was really glad we could put it on paper, because we always said we wanted to do something with one of our campaigns. Oh, it'd be cool if that was a book, or that'd be cool as uh-huh. a cartoon. And right. I just decided to do it. So I I think that's great too, because like uh, you know, we'll tell these funny D and D stories to our friends that weren't at the session or don't play these get types of games, and it's hard to like get them to be like wait, so this all really happened? Or like, no, no, you know, we're, it's like, you guys are just sitting around a table. It's like, yeah, but it was awesome. You know, it was hilarious. And like, it's hard to like get that through. So now that you have this medium of a comic book, I think that's pretty awesome to like show it off. I think that's really cool. It's um, cool too, yeah. because we've had people, um, like for instance, actually uh, the guy who plays Caliber last week, he called me and said, I just spent $1,500 on a gun. I'm like, that okay he's like and i blame you for spending all that money i'm like why why are you blaming me he goes because you drew me with this kind of gun in the book and now i really wanted one so now i had to go buy one <laughs> i had and, to go um, do it, I had to buy it. <laughs> yeah he's like so it's, it's your fault and then uh yeah. the guy who's bolder you know in real life he um he was like top top olympian class wrestler in north carolina and was like um so he coaches wrestling he's he's got a big history in that but when we first started the book you know, he had put on a little bit of weight and everything and he cut down and he's back in shape and he's like, yeah, wow. he's like, I can't be a superhero and look like this. So wow. he's uh, like religious in the gym. Now I, I, you know, helped him get there and super proud of him. Cause he's, you know, just still staying in shape, working out. And he's like, he feels better, you know? And he's like, yeah, now yeah. I can wear like a, uh, I could cosplay as myself. It'd be freaking hilarious. Amazing. So, that is so amazing. Changing people's cool lives. Those things well. happen for my friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have issue seven coming out on Wednesday. Oh, today, as people are listening to this episode. Um, well, hitting Kickstarter. Hitting Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah on Kickstarter. So um, anything you want to tell us about the Kickstarter at yeah. all? Or So every issue, I try to go for a different like directorial approach 
um, depending on the content that's there. And this one plays out like an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia meets Ninja Turtles. So if you if you if that appeals to you, um, definitely like it. There's yep. th this book. They they start their own coffee shop, right? They I, they they left their employer, and I was like, well, you need to need to have a source of income. So they they had made a contract with their old employer to still be able to do like some heroing for them because they were like kind of like heroes for hire, and. But that contract li is limited and runs out. And there, I was like, you know, how are you guys going to afford the suits, the bullets, everything? And they had this idea for a coffee shop. And I was, they're like, we're going to make a mobile coffee shop, and we're going to go around the city, and we're going to be superheroes selling coffee. And that way, when something bad happens, we can jump out and we can be ready to fight. And we'll Amazing. just, you know, let the animals run the coffee shop. That's that's <laughs> what happens. And. And wow. this one, they're arguing over all because you know not all of them really wanted to do it. They were kind of forced yeah. into it, so yeah. there's some struggle there, arguing back and forth about how the coffee shop should be. And then um, a big giant robot ends up attacking because that's a thing, you know. Yeah, and of course. they have to fight this big giant robot now, and you know it's a twenty foot tall thing that they gotta take on. And the one guy who's the tech guy didn't even show up. So he's like in a, he's in a lab somewhere doing something. So in game, they actually had to call him for help because he oh, didn't wow. show up that day. And, um, he's like, yeah, Chris, you could just role play my character. And I was, so we were on the phone and he's texting me back and forth. Um, cause he had to take care of his kid. He just, he couldn't uh, make it that day. And yeah. so I thought it was funny that he could like remote in and let me role play his character for a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, so pretty funny. I was like, I'm going to roll for him. I'm not like making this stuff happen. And he shows up yeah. and winds up saving the day a little bit, but um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Every, every issue we focus on just having fun. Cause that's what D and D is about. Um, mm -hmm. There are some serious undertones and, you know, story building aspects that are in there, but the main, main story is always going to be fun. This one, we entered actually on the Kickstarter um, for all U.S. backers because I can't ship internationally on this. I have a, our custom energy drink. I got that made, so we'll have those. Um, I've got eight cases. They're 12 12-ounce 12 cans per, per order. So you get your own um, custom crit energy drink. We've got four different covers um, by some amazing artists that are going to be on there. Collector cards. You can get the stuffed animal. That's an add-on. And if you're new to the campaign, you want to catch up on it, I have all the books available. And for all new readers, I do tell them, if you go to my website, homebrewedcomics.com, you can download issue zero for free. It's free on the site. That way you can see if the storytelling aspects and everything are for you. If you like the content, come back for more um, and check us out. We will be running until November 4th. Day one backers, uh, I'm, I am offering a early two early bird tiers. Both of them have free U.S. shipping. So you can take advantage of that. And we got a cool, you can't have a Kickstarter without a t-shirt. So there's that. And then my big tier, I am just now finalizing the order for uh, a couple metal covers. So one of them will be done in metal. And there will probably only be 10 of those made because those things are ridiculously expensive. So yeah. you can get in on that. And we have a trade paperback. We have... There's so much content after seven issues that um, you know you can you can definitely be reading for quite a while. So that's awesome. Did Great. you ever at any point do like character sheets for all the like as a add-on or anything for backers? 
Yeah, so we um, I actually had the beta. We're still beta testing all the classes. So I made the game beta, and so you can see. Oh wow! Yeah, I it's just like twenty six pages of just character sheets and equipment because it's modern stuff. So you get the first five levels of every character in the book. This will be on the Kickstarter as well. Um, and there's a tier for people who want to play D and D with us. We have five slots, and we'll make your own, um, you know, crit-based characters with you, and we'll DM five sessions. So, and, and at the end, if it's if it's if it fits, and it all depends on if it fits, because sometimes you get some really crazy people in there. Um, yeah, some of those characters might be able to transcend into the story at some point. We've got some spaces later on in the story where it'd be kind of cool to have your character be seen in our book. Um, and and the goal for me when putting that out there is to get people who wouldn't play D and D to sign up, you know, get something they're familiar with, be able to have the comic book and see how it plays out and make your own character and have fun. Oh, that's it. amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And some of my guys have uh, put all their character sheets on digital format. So it's really hard for me to print out their original ones. I've got a couple, but uh, I thought about doing that and then, they were like, Chris, we've been playing this for four years. I have this stuff on a, I have a spreadsheet now. <laughs> yeah, One guy actually yeah. made an entire spreadsheet for his character, like a, oh, yeah. a character class spreadsheet. I was like, can you That's share amazing. that with me? <laughs> He's like, yeah, on conference calls at work, I, I make my character sheet into a spreadsheet. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's um, really no. well done. Every time he levels yeah. up, he just has to like punch it in and it, and it, it automatically calculates everything. everything for him. It's wow. ridiculous. That's amazing. You should was sell like, just that algorithm for that. Yeah, the algorithm would be amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm working with them on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And that book you just showed, like, is that how to? Does that also include how to like do a superhero based D and D campaign? Like, are you thinking about adding like doing a module to sell the yes. people as well? So the, I wanted to put the beta out first and get that out to people so they can see that we are making that um, like a D and D fifth edition module. After the book's done, I would like to, uh, the plan is finish the story and where crit ends, because we're in game, we're very far, you know, we've been playing this for four years, so we're very far ahead of the comic book. Where it ends, the world is in a much different place than where it begins, and so I want that setting to be our crit setting, release the module so you can play within that setting, and... I'm also trying to get at that point, because it's a couple years out, be able to have a place on our website for people to submit their stories and even get together and play directly on our website, kind of like a Roll20 situation. So, And then be able to submit their stories to us in hopes that maybe we can get some of those and publish them in the world. So we have this big, giant world setting, and everybody can tell their own story in our sandbox. Similar to what George Lucas did with Star Wars early on, was allowing people to kind of pitch stories within the universe. Um, and some of those stories might impact it later on, and I think that would be really cool to have something where people could impact something they enjoy. So, That's yeah, cool. I want to release the module. In fact, we were supposed to do a game before we did the comic book. We, that was the original idea, was release the module. Wow. And yeah. then the comic book just became a thing. So we rolled That's cool. that. That's really cool. Uh, I, I love all this. This is yeah, me too. great. I'm so glad we got to chat, Chris. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, man. Um, 
And if our listeners, our followers want to follow you and all the stuff you're doing, I know we're going to point them to the Kickstarter, but are you, you have a social media you want to send them to? Yeah. Um, my website, homebrewedcomics.com has all my links. I'm primarily on Instagram, which is at homebrewedcomics. I do have Facebook and Twitter, which instead of a CS at the end, it's just homebrewedcomics with an X. Um, I'm most active though on Instagram. I, I have the, I have TikTok and I have the, uh, yeah, I, I have them all. I just primarily yeah. use Instagram cause that's where I started and that's like my most active, but, um, yeah, I have links I on you. my Instagram as well for everything else. And, um, I do a lot of, I also work with like nine other indie publishers. I letter like every book in our group. So I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I think 12 different books now I've done. Um, and so we do like lives. We, we try to get people who are interested in indie comics, especially, and maybe, you know, they're, you have so many people out there with a story to tell and they just don't know how to get there. So I do try to help people that are up and coming and trying to do that. Cause I've done seven Kickstarters. I've failed at some things. I've learned quite a bit along the way and I like to share the knowledge. So, you know, if, if that's your thing, hit me up. I also love talking D and D and I've had quite a few people message me and ask like questions about how to start playing D and D. And that's probably the best. Those are the best conversations. I had like a 16 year old kid tell me, you know, he had been wanting to play D and D with his friends forever and he was like, I don't yeah. know, I might be too young for you to like, like try and help. And I was like, no, I, I mean, I have a 12 year old and if her friends want to play in D and D, I'm going to DM a session, you know? Yeah. And so, awesome. um, I helped him download some stuff and get some character sheets. And he sent me like a couple of his uh, character ideas back and forth. And that's the stuff that like, I love right there is being able to have those interactions with people. Like when I was a kid and and just seeing them get into it, you know, and it's kind of cool that maybe crit is a catalyst for them to want to play D and I think that's probably the coolest pieces of this right there. Yeah. That and seeing amazing. little kids at comic cons come running up and grab the cat. Like, yeah, that's without right. fail. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. every con I put the cat out while I'm setting yeah. the table up and yep. little kids come running up like, what's this? And so that, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so everybody out there listening, watching, uh, remember I'll have the show those links in the show notes down below. So make sure to check out the campaign. And if you've never checked out the book, like uh, Chris said, um, check out the website. Free first issue. You can't. I mean, free comics are the best. Yeah. Right. So go check that out as well. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. It was a great yeah. conversation. And um, appreciate I, it. I've said it like four times, but I love everything you've said. Everything about so getting people in the D and D, all the comic yep. stuff. It, it warms really my cool heart stuff. to know there's somebody else like me out there. So we'll have to do this again. Well, I appreciate now. you guys taking the time with me today and let me talk about my stuff because you know th there's not enough spaces for us as independent creators to get our voice heard. That's what we're here for. And we're back. We're back for all the New York Comic-Con comic book news. So behind the scenes, everybody, I write down timestamps as we're going. And I don't know if you know how seconds and minutes work, uh -huh. but there's 60 seconds in a minute, right? Uh-huh. So I wrote one of the timestamps down as 22 minutes, 60 seconds. Wow. That's, a, that's how my brain's working right now. Go ahead. <laughs> it's just because you don't want to write the number 23. You went all Jim Carrey on it. Yeah. You're avoiding the number. Uh, let's let's get to my favorite part, the DC comic news. 
Um, I'll sleep through this part. Dude, come on. What do you... So, basically, Superman, Superman, Superman. Um, and I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk off air to you about this uh, after credit scene thing from Black Adam. But uh, DC has announced their next crossover series called Lazarus Planet. This series is said to spin out of the events of Batman vs. Robin and will consist of seven one-shot published weekly... Oh, God. One-shot one titles published weekly starting in February 2023. I mean, the only upside to it is, come on, who's writing it? Lazarus Planet will be run by Mark Wade with help from Ricardo Federici, Gene Wen Yang, Billy Tan, Nicole Maines, Skylar Partridge. Okay. Patridge, sorry. She was on the show. Francis Manipal, Dan Waters, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Josie Campbell. Okay, we got some talent uh, working on this. I will probably check them out. Huge Mark Wade fan. Uh, I don't think Batman versus Robin, the first issue, was terrible. So here I am. I I was gonna skip Batman versus Robin. Yeah, thinking it was just like a throwaway, like eh, whatever uh, thing. And I went and bought the first issue. I know the second issue comes out next week, so I guess I'm reading it now. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Um, this but is some this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like event stuff, but. I do like that. Uh, what's the Monkey Prince is in this too? So yeah, Gene Lin Yang with Monkey Prince. I'm really pumped to see this. Yeah, it all has to do with the Devil Nasa thing. So I'm sure. Uh, as part of Milestone's 30th anniversary, Static Shock will be crossing over with Batman Beyond. Damn, titled Milestone 30th Anniversary Special One. Uh, it'll feature short stories from different teams across different characters. The story will be written and drawn by Nicholas Draper Ivy. I have no idea who that is, but I am super pumped to see Batman Beyond and Static Shock crossover. So, I my only experience with Static Shock, I should probably put this out there, because my only experience is the TV show, and I did not care for the TV show. Oh, I love the TV show. Um, so that's where kind of my negative from Milestone comes from. I've had this thought recently, because I noticed they like published the old Milestone and Compendiums. Mm. Yep. And I was thinking about going back and checking it out. That being said, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, Static Shock. Like, I mean, I got to buy this now because it's Batman Beyond, but. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool concept. So I'll, I'll take it. It's I mean, they come out of the same vein. Like it was this time at DC Animation where we want teenage superheroes. So let's make a teenage Batman. And that became Batman Beyond. And then right. Static Shock came out of that. So, the, I mean, yep. they come from the same world creatively. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense, but I'll be picking it up and checking it out. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. Harley Quinn is getting a new limited six issue series, March 2023, called Multiversity. Harley Quinn screws up the DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, Just the DCU. DC, DCU, sorry, not DC Cinematic. I just say that. Um, <laughs> the series will be written by Frank Thierry with art by Logan Farber. I'll probably read this. Uh, I know this is like the Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe kind of thing, but you got multiversity in there. Um, I know it's Harley Quinn, whatever, but I do love me some multiverse shit. So, yeah, it, it reminded me heavy of Deadpool kills Marvel Universe or Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. Um, but I really like those series, so I think they're fun. So I'll probably check this out. So do I. Uh, yeah. That's why I like this will be fun. I still don't know if I'll pick it up though. But yeah, it's I the multiversity. Um, banner for it was interesting. 
I thought uh-huh. I, I was shocked to see them throw that on top of this, but yeah. Good and for like Frank was, too. I like Frank Terry's work. Uh, yeah. He did some cool Marvel stuff with like Frank black. Terry is really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is okay. So there's a lot of Superman shit going on, but there's, there's a silver lining in there. And I want to talk about that. DC <laughs> has announced a new shakeup for the Superman line starting in January. First up, uh, Superman Son of Cal will end with issue 18. A new six-issue limited series from the same creative team will take on a spot called Adventures of Superman John Kent. Okay, you're thinking, whatever, this could be interesting. Uh, so, just just yeah. to jump in there, um, I know I'm not reading the John Kent stuff because I don't care, but um, yeah. I I think I wish that this was the ongoing. Yep. Like, I wish there was three ongoings because to give John his own book and then Clark his own book yeah. and say like, Hey, adventures of Superman is John Superman is Clark. Cause adventures of Superman is an old title. Right. Is a really cool way to like continue that. And then let like John Fenn fans keep having their book as opposed right. to what we'll talk about with the Superman book. Well, let me talk about adventures of Superman, John Kent, because I don't know if you saw what they're doing with that. Because I, I, stopped, I stopped reading the John Cat stuff. It wasn't really for me. But now they're talking about Ultraman will be the villain for this run. And Val Zod will be with John Kent, Earth 2 Superman. Which Man. I'm intrigued I, by. Yeah. Because I liked, <laughs> I really, really liked that Earth 2 book. Yep. I really liked um, the Earth 2 book. And I really liked when, because Ultraman was torturing John Kent for a while. Okay, I, I just to throw yeah. it out there, I really like that or two book, and I figured with how they were restructuring things with the JSA coming back, that that Earth mm-hmm. Two was no longer a thing, or yeah. would be a different Earth now. Yeah, because you want JSA to be Earth Two, I thought, right. but maybe right. they're going to be Earth One. Um, so that does intrigue me because I that that book is criminally underrated. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. the the weekly when they it was Earth Two, what was it? World. No, it, remember when they were doing all the weekly books and they had that oh, yes. Eternal book. Yeah. Um, and it was like World's End or something like yeah, that. Yeah, World's End. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like even yeah. that book was good. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. So Valzad and Ultraman. You know, Crime Syndicate's my favorite lineup for villains. Uh, so I'll be loving that. Yeah. Um, then Action Comics will now publish three stories. Per issue, starting with 1050, with writer Philip Kennedy Johnson, artist Rafa Sandoval. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Three stories per issue. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so you got that lineup with Clark Kent story, writer Leah Williams, and artist Marguerite Savage doing a Power Girl story, and then writer Dan Jurgens and artist Lee Weeks doing an arc that follows the story from the Death of Superman special. Uh, that's pretty crazy. You got a lot going on in one book. Yeah, and I, I like, I really like Power Girl as a character. Yeah, and like that that Earth Two Power Girl stuff, and it seems like mm-hmm. that's connecting into the JSA stuff. Yep. So I might be back on the Superman bandwagon here soon. Yeah, yeah, me too. I might be picking up a lot of these books. And then finally, the main Superman title will start with new number one in February. Writer Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. I'm probably on board for this. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, this is where my previous comment comes in. Cause this is going to be Clark and John. Yeah. 
fighting Lex, and it's like, okay, they, they team up, whatever. Uh, that's where I kind of wish there was an ongoing for John, ongoing for Clark, and maybe yep. they cross over here and there because, I mean, they are father and son, but give them their own book and then kind of bring them together down the line as opposed to, like, Superman, and it's two Supermen. But yeah, it's Joshua Williamson, so... Yeah, you I'm got Josh Williamson, you got Phil wagon. Kennedy Johnson in here, and you also, they did focus, they had this whole cover of, like, the Superman family. They're really getting into the whole Superman family of characters, kind of like Batman, the Bat family, right? So I think well, it's a pretty cool concept. I'm yeah. I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. I am very um, interested to see where this all goes. Yeah. Uh, Joe Caseta, longtime Marvel artist, editor-in-chief, he took the New York Comic Con stage with Jim Lee to announce that he'll be doing covers for upcoming DC titles starting 2023. All right. All right. Slap in the face to Marvel. Uh, the first title get covers of Marvel Comics Legend will be Batman 130 and 131. Uh, we'll probably have to pick that up. I don't know. This Is that the first ever Batman cover by Joe Casita? No. Uh, um, he did Batman stuff like a long time ago. 80s, 90s. Yeah. Um, before he worked at Marvel. But he's just so well known as the Marvel guy. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm a huge Joe Quesada fan. Everybody should read that Daredevil run he did with Kevin Smith. Yep. I, I'm, yeah. Is, and DC's End, you're right. This is a giant slap in the face to Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, I'm just, I love Joe as an artist. I hope he does some interior stuff. Not necessarily DC, although if you did DC, I'd be fucking down for that too. Yeah, but this is a good first step post uh, his Marvel career. So I mean, I I have no doubt he's going to be doing some DC stuff, whether he has a hand in guiding like editor again. Uh, but I think when you go to New York Comic Con and with kind of how recent all this happened, this is probably the only thing they can really talk about. Like he can do covers; that's pretty easy. You throw him on some covers <laughs> for a couple <laughs> issues. You'll see if there's like a, I don't know if there's a special issue coming out for anything, but if there is, um, like a, a 500 or you know whatever the DC does for their big number books, I could see him doing a story, like a yeah. four or eight pager. I don't see him yep. jumping on an ongoing, unless yeah. it's creator owned. Yep. Um, and then lastly for DC, uh, they're adding a new tier for the digital platform DC Universe Infinite. And reward, uh, with new rewards, add this new tier called Ultra Tier. It'll be available late November. Um, you can get it for a discounted rate now. New tier will give you DC Comics one month after release, as opposed to six months after. Members will get a yearly gift for their membership. For the first membership, gift members will get an exclusive Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition softcover and an exclusive Ivan Race cover for free. Also, the service added thousands of comics and graphic novels from DC, Mad Magazine, and Vertigo Comics for all its members this week. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of, it brings it more in line. Actually, brings it to be better than Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Um, but the price is in line. The fact that there's a yearly thing is in line. Yeah. It's the one month after release that I was kind of intrigued by. Yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, with that, let's get to the Marvel news. And, I, and for the, before we talk Marvel, I did see this whole timeline of events that are going to be going on for the next year, and it was like, "Holy shit, guys! Like, let's let's do one at a time here." You know, so F- Foggy is now like in control of Marvel altogether. 
Yeah. Like he's still mostly a movie guy, but like his yeah. influence is over Marvel. So like, yeah, they started doing this what last year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was when they announced foggy coming in. I'm like, this is a foggy thing. They want yeah. a timeline for the stories. And that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's basically like all the mini series you'll be picking up. Uh, Marvel released its comic timeline for the end of 2022 into 2023. Some of the events coming, we know about, Already, like Avengers Assemble, Jason Aaron's Avengers Finale, Dark Web, Sins of Sinister, and Captain America Cold War. But two new events were announced for summer 2023. They're titled Summer of the Symbiotes and Fall of X. Uh, little was said about the events other than the obvious that they're Spider Man symbiote and X Men related. Um, yeah. I, we'll it, see. I don't have much to add. I mean,. Yeah. It I has like to do symbiotes. symbiotes. Maybe, maybe, maybe Donnie will come back to do some symbiote shit. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he's kind of said like he made his mark and he wants to move on, but yeah. we'll see. X-Men are getting some new titles for 2023. Uh, shocked Pikachu for sure on this. Um, Surprise, Pikachu. First up is X-23. is getting her own limited series called X-23 Deadly Regenesis. This five-issue series will be written by Erica Schultz, art by Edgar Salazar. Um, and seeing Laura Kitty no longer using the Wolverine mantle and going back to her original mantle of X-23. So, yeah, for a while she was actually Wolverine, and now she's going to be going back. Yeah. X-23 fans are happy. I have nothing yeah. to add. Nothing to add. Yeah. Next is the return of fan favorite X couple in a new series called Rogue and Gambit. Oh shit. This five issue series will be written by Teeny Howard. Okay. And art by Carlos Gomez. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I like Teeny. I liked when Rogue and Gambit were on the Excalibur team. Yep. Not going to pick this up. But yeah. people were really excited about that. And finally, another five issue series titled Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, written by Teeny Howard and art by Vasco Georgiev. Huh? Picking this one up? This one I'll pick up. Uh, yeah, you love some Captain Britain. Yeah, going back to the Excalibur, I like Betsy as Captain Britain. I like what they're doing there. Uh, Teeny did a great job with it. And yeah, I love Captain Britain and that whole mythos. So, yeah. It's only five issues, but I mean, five is better than zero. <laughs> Uh, during the Marvel New York Comic Con panel, publisher confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy are returning to print in spring of 2023 that we would see more info coming from the following months. Yeah, give us the Guardians. Where the hell have they been? Come on. Yeah, it's it's Mike, it's almost like there's a movie coming out too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know, it's, uh, I do like me some Guardians, so I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not like they're doing a... Uh, I don't even want to... I'm not going to down talk any characters uh blade's daughter bloodline yeah it's not like getting a bloodline book uh we'll be getting our own five issue series february 2020 thanks marvel i didn't even have to bring uh bring up an example you did it for me february 2023 this uh series will be written by danny lauren art by karen s darbo series will be called bloodline daughter of blade and will follow her as she starts to develop her vampiric powers now i will not be surprised if after the blade movie we get a Disney Plus series called Bloodline about Blade's daughter. I really will not be surprised. One hundred percent. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I, they introduced her in like some free comic book day issue, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "When's this going to be a thing?" And I'm like, 
Who cares? I read it and just sat there like it's okay. It's just female blade. Like, can we? I guess. We if, get... I guess if you want female blade, like if you're yeah. a woman who wants that character yeah. or whatever, like cool. But I didn't see anything all that like shocking or new. Can I just, can I just get a blade ongoing book? Like, <laughs> I mean, that would be nice too. Yeah. How, how about we start there with the character? Getting his on uh, at least a miniseries or ongoing, uh, but no, we're getting a Silver Surfer miniseries, uh, five issues, February 2023, called Silver Surfer Ghost of Light, written by John Lemmings, art by Valentin Delandro. Introduced new cosmic character, Ghost Light. Interesting. I'm not much of a Silver Surfer fan, I don't know about you, but no, not really. Um, uh, I know a few people who are really excited about this, yeah. This is pretty cool. Marvel and Viz Media have announced another team-up for some new manga published in summer 2023. The three titles are as follows. Wolverine, Snicked, by writer-artist Sudomu uh, Nihei, who is best known for his series Blame. Spider-Man Fake Red, by writer-artist Isuke Asawa, who is best known for his series Green Worlds. And finally, Marvel Comics, a manga tribute, which is an anthology-style book with over 20 Japanese creators using characters across the Marvel Universe. I think those all sound pretty cool. Uh, I like this when they do this crossover. I think it's a really cool idea. I, I do as well. I They've announced this, like, this is the second or third time they've done this, and... Mm-hmm. I'm always like, this is really cool. I'm like, uh, I'm down to support this. And then just poof. And the characters they choose, in my opinion. Yeah. I The comic tribute I'll probably buy um, just to throw support to this initiative. And because it actually might be like different stuff. But like, we we get it. Wolverine spent time in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But, and Spider-Man's like your most popular character. But... I I would just wish they would find like a, another character to do other than Deadpool, Wolverine, Spider Man. Yeah, agreed. But we'll see. I I might check out the Spider Man one. I, there's zero chance I check out the Wolverine one. It's um, a cool announcement. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, with that, let's talk about what we read this week. Uh, let me. There you go. That's some comics. I had some comics too, Chris. Uh, shirtless bear fighter number two, Jody Leehup, Vendril on the art. Uh, this book's a lot of fun if you're not reading shirtless bear fighter. Um, the FBI it starts employing like this guy to make new R and D weapons. Uh, and then shirtless shirtless bear fighter is losing his weight, so he goes back to his roots where he was chained, chained, trained in Japan, and his master is not Mister Miyagi. It's uh. B Yagi because it's a B everybody it's a tiny B because you know bears love honey whatever um, so he needs to go to the top of the mountain to find the truth about his human parents and while the the bears in the woods have made like an evil version like an evil clone of him so it's a pretty cool story so far uh, Radiant Black 18 Higgins Holmes I know you read this I thought it was interesting all about the yellow radiant uh, we get his origin and like why he wants to he can travel through time or see time and why he's motivated to do the things he is. Uh, Berserker 10. This is uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, Matt Kent, and Garney on the art. I don't know what the hell's going on in this book anymore. I don't know if I missed an issue somewhere, but like something's going on 
and it's just really confusing. Uh, I'm really struggling to see like a lot of the characters' motivations. I feel like this book would be better read as a as a trade, so I might just drop it and just pick it up when it's like a completed series. Uh, and also, the inconsistencies with when it gets released doesn't really help. That really takes me out of the story. Um, you know, it's it's. It, but I mean, nonetheless, if you like action and stuff and being confused, check it out. Um, Rogue Sun Seven, uh, Ryan Perot, Cotton, and Angulo. Uh, I like this. We get Rogue Sun. He meets a weird villain, someone claiming to be a guide for him for the future. It was like a turn the page adventure story, so that was kind of fun. But I got I got stuck in a time loop in the book. I don't know if you did too. It didn't really work for me, or maybe I just read the directions wrong. Um, but it, it was I'm a fun. I'm like issue. an issue or two behind on this. But oh, okay. So this is like a turn the page adventure. Like, oh, make a decision. Basically, the guy like controls time and is like keeps putting him back in a loop. Um, and then I think he's going to be like a villain or something moving forward. So that was uh that was an interesting issue. Um, Dark Crisis: The Deadly Green uh, by Ram V and a bunch of others. Um, this takes place before Dark Crisis of Infinite Earths Five. Uh, the Justice League Dark Team has found a way to go into the Great Darkness to kind of find out the origin. So they do this crazy comic book science bullshit where they take Alan Scott's ring and they get his son Obsidian to create like a darkness in him. And then everybody jumps in Alan Scott's ring because, you know, he can create constructs. So he starts creating constructs of like things that are happening. Um, and while Swamp Thing and Superboy, I will say Superboy, I won't say Superman, uh, I refuse, are in there. They combine, so like Swamp Thing gives him like armor to kind of like not get lost in the darkness. And they find the uh, Pariah's old machine from Crisis on Infinite Earths that he used to bring all the Earths back together. Um, and that's what they rip out of there. And then we see that brought back into uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths issue. So, um, Pretty interesting. I like. I mean, I love Alan Scott, and I thought it was some cool shit going on with Swamp Thing. So, Monkey Prince number seven. This is uh, Gene Wen Yang in uh, Chang on the art. Uh, they find his magical staff because you know the Monkey King had a magical staff that like um, extends infinitely, and apparently it's stuck in Dragon Town, which is part of Atlantis, which is pretty funny. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're just like, it's part of Atlantis, don't question it. And Monkey Prince sets up a fight with Aquaman at the end of the issue because he calls him a villain. He gets, like, all upset about that. But I thought it was cool interactions between Aquaman, Monkey King, and, like, the people of Dragontown expecting to see Monkey King. Expect to see Monkey King, but he's actually Monkey Prince, so they're a little confused by that. Yeah, I really like that issue. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Yeah. Batman 128, Chip Zdarsky and Jimenez on the art. Uh, this is a pretty cool issue. Yeah, there it is. Nice. Um, Batman gets soups uh, away from failsafe because failsafe's like, like, you know, Batman got the ship beat out of him. Uh, Superman shows up and gets kryptonite stuck in him. So they're both pretty rough. Uh, he gets Superman away, but he he like falls into water like while he's flying Superman away, so he doesn't get killed. And then we get a two week time jump where Failsafe has taken over Gotham completely. Um, 
So that was pretty interesting. Like, what is he going to do now that Gotham's taken over by failsafe? And the second story is about him, how he was planning the whole Zernar initiative and that Joker was messing with him. So they both were kind of like not almost like it's they're in sync of like, you know, Batman's not in a weird, he's in a weird mind, a weird headspace, And so is Joker. So like things were almost like they're connected or something. I really liked it. Uh-huh. I really like this. I, I think I like the second story more than the first one. I like in the A story how he decides he has to leave uh, Robin and Superman so that the failsafe doesn't come after him and he falls in the yeah. ocean and he trusts uh-huh. that Aquaman's going to get him and that's yeah, where he goes that, to like recuperate. I really like that sequence. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I did like that too. And I like in the Zuranar, um story how they switch the art so when yeah. they show like the Zuranar stuff it looks like a 50s, 60s Batman comic. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, like Awesome. That I love awesome. this book. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, last book I had, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number five, Joshua Williamson, Sam Fear on the art. Uh, pretty good issue. Black Adam gets saved from fighting the Legion of Doom. All of the Legion of Doom is infected with the Great Darkness. Um, Justice League is aware of it because, like I said, in the, the Swamp Thing issue, they know what's going on. Uh, Pariah talks about bringing the Infinite Earths back. Um, while Flash and Green Lantern are going through these small uh, Earths created, you know, universes created without the Justice League heroes, they get Batman out of his trance, um, and the Justice League breaks out of the worlds, but they're too late. Pariah arrives to Earth Zero, the main Earth, with the darkness to claim the rest of the heroes that are stuck on Earth still, uh, Earth Zero. And he's got, you know, this whole splash page with all the villains that are all possessed by the darkness. So um, I think the big fight's coming up. And hopefully the big resolve of like, where is all this going? Um, I'd like to see that. Uh, yeah. Everything you said, I love it. I love that last splash page. Um, yeah. All those, not just villains, like big bads, like yeah, big bads. Yeah. Characters that can be their own event. Yeah. Uh, and then also when black Adam comes back and he's like, you know, I told you you're not good enough to be the justice league or whatever. And then uh, Nightwing just goes, yeah, we're the Teen Titans. And just, yeah. I was like, oh, that, that was the perfect way to handle that moment. I love that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. That was really good. That's all. Yeah. That's all I had this week. There's some stuff I'm still behind on, but. Um, Ant-Man number four, I, I'll say the series was kind of meh to me. I was not okay. that thrilled. Although we do get all father Ultron, which was interesting. Uh, Minor threats. Number two, the Patton Oswald book. Another great issue. Uh, we get into the mind of uh, this other character who's like a puzzle. He solves puzzles and he's like a super okay. genius. So they try to track down the Batman character and they go to this club where all the supervillains hang out and they end up leading him to this club where that character just like beats up all the villains. Um, another really great issue. I like the shitty villains trying to get back at the Batman character vibe of this. Yeah, I like that. I just, I'm behind on that book. Uh, New America number three. This is the last issue of the first arc. And basically, like, we find out the backstory of why the lead character is, like, helping the FBI. He's being extorted. It's like his wife is being held. Um, So the New American president sends out forces to get her. They get her back, but it aggravates old America and starts a whole geopolitical problem and um, the the president's being extorted to quit 
So he comes out and was just like, listen, this tells everybody this is what I did and blah, blah, blah. And then decides to hold a new special election to see if people think that he should um, step down. Um, I really like this book, um, even if it's uh, super uh, science fiction with a, a political figure taking responsibility. But um, <laughs> it's still really good, like kind of geopolitical stuff involving a hypothetical future where America splits up. Um, I was shocked you didn't read this, Junkyard Joe, number one. Yeah, I haven't read that yet. Uh, it's really, it's really good. It's just like a war comic um, with mm-hmm. a robot in it. <laughs> like nice. Um, I like the twist at the end. I, I thought I read this as a one shot. I really hope it's not because the way it ends has a very interesting twist to it that could be cool for future issues. Um, the Deadly Lucky number three, which is a another one of the Radiant Black books. Mm-hmm. Really started to like this book. Uh, like I said, it's a lot about this character who's going through PTSD because she's a Iraq vet and then gets these powers and kind of dealing with that while at the same time dealing with this corporation that's trying to create, trying to turn San Francisco into a mega city run by the corporation. Um, and there's a lot of mechs in it, Mike. So Nice. I caught up on Magic the Gathering, so I've got Magic the Gathering number 19 here. Are you still reading Magic? No. You... I, I had to drop that for some other books. <laughs> I got I, behind. Maybe it's because I got so behind and I read like 15 issues in two weeks. Yeah. But I really like this book. <laughs> okay. I'll have to get back I, into it. I don't... You still play, right? No, I don't. I, I have some cards. I sold a lot of my cards, but I, I still have some decks. I I haven't had time, or I don't really have any friends around here that play. Uh, so, yeah, I don't play either, and I like the connection to this world that I like know about and getting mm-hmm. the stories here. So it's a cool like multiverse fantasy kind of book. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. Good. Um, it's not like the, the greatest book ever, but it's still fun to see all those, those, Oh, I recognize that, you know? Yeah. It's almost how I feel about star. Like, I don't talk about star Wars on here, but how I yeah. feel about star Wars books where like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're the greatest thing ever, but I just enjoy a familiar universe that I'm connected to strongly. And that's, that's how I feel like that. You described exactly the rings of power show. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why I understand what people are said about that. And yep. I'm not, cause I'm not connected to that. Right. Uh, all new, all different Savage Avengers uh, in 2099, number six. Uh, this is a really fun issue. It's all those characters minus Conan, because we had Conan get a send-off last issue, uh, coming to 2099, and they end up teaming up with uh, Punisher 2099. And we find out, well, so Black Knight gets the Cosmic Steed back in this. Um, Anti-Venom ends up driving the spider buggy in this. And uh, it's giant spoiler alert, but the big bad in 2099 is Ultron. So it was nice. a lot of like things that I like coming together. You could tell it was kind of a fan doing his f- almost fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was really good. Hulk number nine, the beginning of Hulk planet. Um, not a ton happened in this book, but it was nice to see Donnie and Otley back. Yep. Uh, but basically, like, it shows kind of the inner how the ship, uh, Hulk ship works and how Banner had 
split his subconscious to run it. And then uh, we land on this planet that's gamma-powered. Like, it, the whole surface is covered in gamma radiation. Mm. And when we get there, there's a giant statue to Hulk, and he's n- never been here before. So Interesting. The, the warlord or queen or whoever she is ends up greeting him and telling him they're saying welcome home and he's very confused but it's an interesting start to a a new uh, storyline earth divers kill columbus number one this was the the book about people going back in time to kill columbus Mm -hmm. and uh basically it's 21 20 or 21 12 is the year uh, global warming taking over, like shit's bad. And the <laughs> thesis of these people is that it's America's fault. <laughs> mm. um, that's about as political as the book gets. And then past that, they find a special magical cave that sends them back in time. So they said to go back in time and kill Christopher Columbus by trying to sneak onto his ship and be a part of his crew. It was really good. Uh, There's a lot of this character trying to fit in with everything back then and had a really cool cliffhanger ending. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool. And my final thing, Mike is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Number five, the issue that I'm supposed to be really mad at. (laughs) (laughs) So cap and Bucky go and find the, the base of this organization and attack it. And we end up finding out that they're like a bunch of people who have been, pulling the strings of everybody and kind of moving things along. It also connects into what Bucky had found during devil's reign, uh, where somebody was kind of directing his life in a direction that led him to winter soldier. And we get to this character who's just called the revolution and they have a confrontation with him after saving a bunch of, uh, people in the base. And I'm going to spoil the fuck out of this. So you've all been warned. They have a conversation. Bucky's just wants to kill him and end it. And of course, Cap doesn't want that. And so Bucky says, fuck it. And Cap stands in front of him and tries to stop him. And Bucky shoots the guy through Cap. So the last page is Bucky shooting Cap in the chest to kill the other guy. <laughs> awesome. Oh, it was a really great last uh, page. And I really enjoyed the issue. I didn't see anything to get super mad about, but... Mm. But I'll be interested to talk to the guys about that one. And then I I read a trade from Kickstarter called Bearskin. I finally got uh, it was a horror book about this guy who wears like teddy bear skin, like a teddy bear costume. Sorry, not teddy bear skin, and starts like murdering people in this town. Come to find out, they're all demons, and the demons don't affect children. So it was like a spin on like where you think this guy is like a creepy like serial killer, but he's actually trying to save the children. So it was a really cool story. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. The art is really good, too. Yeah. Bear skin. Yeah. But, Mike, that was everything I had this week. Um, so, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you under the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, and you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter, as well as FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, to give us the reviews on Podcatchers. Like, subscribe, share, comment down below in the YouTube. And if you want to go the extra mile, Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics is where you can support us as well. Thank you all so much for listening and reading, listening and watching this week. And we'll see you all here next week.